0: on how you buy. Hello to everybody whose bed is also a toilet. It's beautiful anonymous one hour, one phone call, no names, no holds barred. I'd rather go one-on-one I think it'll be more fun Hello world, it's Chris Gethard, so flattered to once again welcome you to another episode of Beautiful Anonymous. And this call you're about to hear, it really, uh, I tell you, first things first, this call is strong, this caller helps people in the world, this caller works in mental health, in an environment that is notoriously not an easy environment, and... I am so impressed by that and so happy that I get to talk to somebody who helps other people deal with their pain, with the confusion of the world. But as sometimes happens with this show, halfway through, we realize, well, the caller has her own stuff going on too. Caller was in a situation that, full disclosure for anybody out there who's had to deal with anything similar, sounded like it was pretty abusive, had to navigate her way out and is still in the process of doing that. So the the floodgates kind of broke at that point. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we'll all agree this caller really has tried to make the world a better place. And I hope that on any level, I provided you a platform that feels safe. And I hope you know how many people you're helping every day. And I, I bet even the people who listen to this show will find safe harbor in who you are.
1: Thank you for calling Beautiful Anonymous. A beeping noise will indicate when you are on the show with the host. Hello? Hi. Hi. How's it going? Pretty good. How are you?
0: I'm good. I'm good. It's uh, a very cold but pretty day in New Jersey, so I'll take that.
1: (laughs) It's cold and pretty here, too.
0: Good. Good. There's worse things to be in 2020.
1: That is very true. I work in healthcare, so I am Oof. up close and personal.
0: God, mental bless
1: health. So I'm not oh, in the emergency okay. room, but
0: well, on behalf of the people hey. like me, I thank you.
1: <laughs> thank you. I would like to issue a thanks to the people on the front lines.
0: Indeed, to everybody in the, uh, in the, everybody in the medical field. Thank you. Yeah front lines for sure but also you're deflecting I'm sure as a mental health worker you've heard and used that phrase before I'm uh, it's not easy <laughs> for people's mental health this year either and as someone who's you're long very right yeah someone who's long relied on my mental health professionals thank you and your ilk for all you do as well.
1: hard as it is I'll accept the thanks
0: mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. I uh, actually had to change jobs this year because it was so taxing my previous job. During the pandemic.
0: Oh, no. So you switched from something else to mental health?
1: It was a, no, my, I did outpatient therapy at a schizophrenia treatment clinic. Mm -hmm. Um, And outpatient mental health is so extremely taxed during the pandemic and having to make the transition from in-person visits to video visits was, so tough and then my clinic made some changes to our system that I didn't feel was very ethical so I made the decision for myself and my own mental health to go to a different setting so now I work at the state psychiatric hospital and I love my new job
0: so listen I'm about to make a dark joke but you're telling me that legitimately in 2020 you needed a more chill job and the more chill job is working at a state psychiatric hospital. That's the more chill option.
1: That is, that is exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> and dark humor is how I'm a social worker. Dark humor is how social workers survive. So, I appreciate well, dark
0: jokes. I can imagine, but I mean, what was these ethical these ethical quandaries at your past job? You're going, yeah, I knew what. I think I'd rather just go work at the uh government the government funded psychiatric <laughs> hospital option. That's the better, more well run above board place is uh yeah. yeah. Yeah,
1: that's uh that's the decision I made. And so far I'm pretty happy I made it.
0: Good. You want to hear a dark joke on my end, and then I want to hear everything you have to say. Uh, but since we're on this topic.
1: A hundred percent.
0: Now look, I don't want anybody worried about me. And I don't talk about it as often as I used to. So sometimes I think people think I have solved my mental health problems. I haven't. I don't know that that's how yeah. it works. I don't know that you solve them. Maybe for some people they do. For me, I don't necessarily believe that. And the pandemic's been very hard. And there was a stretch during this summer where I, I, uh, and I uh, I don't want to scare everybody, but it's it's actually reflective of the fact that I'm on top of my stuff now that I I thought there was a stretch where I might have to go to a hospital just to get my head together. So I had to look up the closest state psychiatric hospital to my new neighborhood. And wouldn't you know it, it's one that we used to go drive around to scare ourselves as kids that I later wrote about in Weird New Jersey magazine. So I was like, oh, oh no. The one so scary that as teens we used to go drive around it, that's the one near my house. Great, great. What irony. And I did not go. Then it
1: could have been a safe haven.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, It would have changed my opinion on old Greystone Park. Isn't that – that's just the name of a scary mental hospital. Why don't they give it a – why don't they call it a pony park or something? like? You're going to call it Greystone Park? It's a little on-brand. That is certainly a scary and intimidating name. Yeah. Yeah. Why can't we – why can't we call it a, you know, Candyland Two or something? Sunshine. No, that sounds like a horror movie.
1: <laughs> Unicorn Palace, exactly.
0: <laughs> Unicorn Palace, Marshmallowville. You're gonna call it Greystone yeah. Park? Yeah,
1: but like no, that is very intimidating. Yeah. Well, so I'm it's... happy to hear you didn't have to go.
0: Yeah. Well, I said it in my special, and it proved true yet again. My, I'm very lucky that my doctor picks up the phone. I don't call her outside of our appointments unless it's an emergency and she always picks up. So that goes a long way to have a doctor who will do that. Not everybody does.
1: That's true. Not everybody has a a relationship with a provider that they can trust. And yeah. I think that's really important. So I, uh, And as a clinician, I like to put out there that I have a therapist too, because I think we don't think about that often enough. And it can be helpful to know that clinicians also have clinicians of their own that they can talk to and get help. I would
0: have to to think that's quite common. I would have to think that's common because I imagine, because from the weird circumstances I've wound up in life, including this show at times, when when you hear about other people's pain, sometimes that pain can kind of transfer a little bit and you feel it. You don't just hear it. You feel it.
1: Absolutely. And
0: that weighs on you.
1: Yeah. Absolutely. It's a lot to carry sometimes.
0: There's a stretch with this show. I've always found that when we've released the calls and I can see a community of people hear them and analyze them and very often support the callers who have been through stuff, stuff, I always feel a weight off my shoulders. It's the, the period between when we record and when we release where I feel like it's just really me and Jared and Anita who have heard it. And I'm going, I'm the only one who's heard that. And that was tough. And when the community yeah. gets their hands on it, I feel like like many, many people come together to sort of lift it up and it, it helps. But that it, it, you take it on. You do take it on. But I love this gig. So I'm not complaining. I just know it's what It's like community
1: healing. Of.
0: Exactly, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I needed to just uh, relax a little bit, kick my feet up, not, not work in such a high <laughs> pressure environment. So I went to, uh, you know, government funded healthcare the notorious <laughs> the notoriously <laughs> underfunded, overcrowded world of government oh, health care. Yeah. God bless oh, you though, for real. <laughs> well, thank you,
1: thank you. We are certainly underfunded and understaffed, but we make it work. I think part of why I like it here so much is that the team here will do anything for each other, and that makes any sort of working environment so much easier to handle. So mm-hmm. I think mm-hmm. I'll stick around for a while. That's good. That's good. As my phone rings.
0: That's okay. It happens. interesting
1: <laughs> sound. It
0: can wait. It's an interesting one. Was is that like a desk? Is, is that like a landline?
1: It's it is a landline. We have those here at the state hospital. Look at that. Look at
0: that. <laughs> Understaffed, overcrowded, overworked, outdated technology, we also find out.
1: <laughs> you know what else people find amusing that we have here? What's that? Payphones.
0: Payphones. Now are the patients allowed to keep change with them?
1: Yes, they are. So well, if, it depends if they if it's a risk for them to have change. Mm-hmm. Like if they would swallow it or somehow yeah. harm themselves with it, then they can't have the change. But yeah. most patients are safe enough after a certain time period to have it, and they can.
0: Now, this is good for me to know, honestly, because I'm not kidding. When I when I was looking up Greystone, I was packing a bag. Legi- I'm not I'm not speaking like like I had a bag out and I was putting. <laughs> I was like, what do you bring to a mental hospital? I guess. I was like, I'll bring four or five pairs of underwear and socks, shirts, I guess. Um, am I allowed to bring reading materials? And now I know for next time, I'm like, oh, should I bring my laptop? Am I going to get work? To, will they let me? And now I know next time, bring a change. Hit up, hit up the change jar. Bring a lot of change. <laughs> yeah. All yeah.
1: Right. It may vary from state to state. I don't know. but But yeah, I would say bring books and things to do. Maybe a journal if you're a journaler. Well, look. But it, your own clothes. We have it, all these stigmas that you can't wear your own clothes and stuff, but you totally can. Look at
0: that! I'll bring, and you know what? I'll overpack, and anything they don't want to have, want me to have, they can just keep it in the drawer with my shoelaces. <laughs> That's exactly
1: right. <laughs> too
0: dark? Did that joke just get a little too dark? Who knows? No, it might for some, but. I can handle a lot. Keep it in the jar. Go keep it in the drawer with the shoelaces. I'll get it back when I'm all when I got my stuff together. So <laughs> I, think, so I think. Now i we've I've greatly enjoyed joking around with you about the least funny environment in the world. Um, but we're ten minutes in, so I want to make sure if you had anything else you wanted to talk about, I want to make sure you get a chance.
1: Sure. Um, well, when I saw the tweet about calling in, I was looking at my dream journal. So I thought maybe that would be interesting to share with another human, which is not something I've done before.
0: I have to say, I can't imagine that the dreams of someone in a high pressure environment like yours during a year like this are always rosy. So I am intrigued.
1: No, they are not. (laughs) I'll tell you the reason why I started it later. Um, because that could potentially turn into a different conversation. But at the beginning of the pandemic, I was having dreams that woke me up in the middle of the night and were ruining my sleep. So I decided to try and log them and see if that would help. Mm -hmm. So I have, at this point, trained myself enough to jot down a few sentences about my dream in the middle of the night in my phone and go right back to sleep to the point where I don't remember doing it anymore in the morning. Mm -hmm. I get like a fun surprise in the morning when I open my phone and read the newest note.
0: (laughs) And when you read the note, do you go, oh, I do remember that? Or do you very often go, that's a dream I had that I don't even have access to anymore?
1: Most of the time, it brings back the memory of the dream,
0: which is pretty neat. So are there any highlights that jump out? Let's see. I'll
1: read you last night just to kind of have a jumping in point. Mm -hmm. I'll read you the note I wrote first.
0: Now, can I also just say say something on my end? Yes, is that my therapist has told me that I have to resist the urge to play therapist on this show because I'm not trained. And in the early days, that was a thing. (laughs) So I've tried to really resist being an armchair psychologist. I do a lot better than I used to. But since you are an actual trained mental health worker, I will reserve the right to liberally analyze your dreams in a way I do not have a right to. Fair? Yes. Okay. Let's you, do it. And you tell me For if you it. agree or disagree. Yeah.
1: Yes. Yeah, okay, I like so this plan. This last great. night's
0: dream. Last night's dream.
1: Last night's dream. I'll just read you what I wrote and then I'll tell you what the memory is after. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I wrote down Copley Girl put something in my hair. Oh, that's a name. You might have to bleep that out. Okay. There's a lot of names in my dream. Okay. Okay. Shopping. Calling everyone bitches. Apologies, Sally for the perfect shopping for jeans. Nothing is small enough. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> mm-hmm. Copley is the name of a shopping center n- or a big mall near where I grew up. Mm-hmm. I grew up in Boston, but I don't live there anymore.
0: Copley square. And,
1: yeah. um, <laughs> and, uh, so I used to go there as a child. So that's an interesting thing that came up. Mm-hmm. And then, In the dream, I was going up an escalator and there was a bunch of girls on it and they were putting like dirt in my hair. And (laughs) is the name of a girl that bullied me when I was like six years old. (laughs) And is one of my longest best friends um, of my entire life. And he, in the dream, was following me around, calling everyone bitches as they made fun of me. And I was looking for jeans, and I was extremely distressed in the dream because I could not find a pair that was small enough to fit me.
0: Mm, 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 mm. And are you a tiny person in real life, or were these were these dreams? You said you need to find pants small enough to fit you.
1: Um, I'm not like extremely tiny, but
0: you I'm on the shorter
1: side, and I'm pretty thin.
0: Okay, you need yeah, small pants. You need small pants. Need small pants. You now see. So yes, yeah. My expert analysis says this that because the presence. It, you might think this is a depressing dream, where you're hanging on to childhood memories of the fear of being bullied, but it's not because is the key. The idea that someone was there mm-hmm. protecting you. That was the, that's actually what that dream's <laughs> about. That's actually a very positive and happy dream. <laughs> in my analysis, that's very <laughs> it's a very healthy dream. Anyway, I don't know if you agree with that.
1: I like that analysis. Yeah. No, I do. I think it's important that there was a protective factor
0: there. I think it's about, and I think in an, I think we're living in 2020, a world that once again feels unstable. So you're dreaming about Mm -hmm. protectors, uh, and the the girls um, throwing stuff in your hair. Right? Was that it? They they represent 2020, and the stuff they're throwing in your hair is a plague, is societal unrest, is the fall of democracy. Um, Those are the things in your hair. And then has your back.
1: Ooh, look at that analysis. Yeah. Some of the macro issues in there. Yeah.
0: yeah. Well, it always is. Like it always that. is. It's never It's never <laughs> about just sometimes dreams are random, okay? They all mean something. And I'm going to break it all down for you. Okay. What do we got next? Okay. So
1: let's see. Oh, here's, a, here's one from the very early days that I found pretty funny. Yeah, yeah. The note is very short. It's synchronized swimming, yeah. musical mm. in high school. Yeah. And that was it.
0: Yeah. Well, these are both things that have a lot of choreography involved. So these are about you feeling trapped <laughs> and controlled and like you're not allowed to make your own choices about mm. where to go and where to move. Okay. Next. I crushed that one. I crushed that. Come on. You did. I crushed that one. You did crush that Thank one. Thank you so much. Thank you this so much. This
1: one is, what do you want me to do about the names? Do you want me to just say them or- Yeah, we'll just
0: keep, I I mean, we'll just keep tracking if, uh, and we'll bleep them, but I don't want you holding back.
1: Okay. Yeah. That sounds great. Right. And we'll just. This one is, mm -hmm. okay. This one is (laughs) fold up toilet bed on Express. No privacy. Yeah. Can't leave.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, this is a very obvious one. As as soon as you say fold up toilet bed, um, those are not to my understanding there's no such thing and Mm. you you generally want a toilet and a bed to be separate objects so in your dream you've created an environment where you do poo poo and pee pee in your own bed (laughs) but it is a toilet (laughs) so you're living in this purgatorial middle ground between adulthood and childhood
1: Mm
0: -hmm. that's what i would say is these feelings that there's unresolved issues from growing up and this questioning of no matter what you do, have you ever really grown up? Are you respected as an adult? That's what a fold-up toilet bit tells tells <laughs> you know, like, me. That's yeah.
1: an interesting interpretation because yeah. that is something that I that I'm working through.
0: Right. Right. I'm the
1: baby in the family. So mm-hmm. that's a constant battle for many children that are the youngest. Yeah. Interesting. I don't know yeah.
0: what age range you're in, but I, I kind of feel like uh the American concept of growing up is stunted, and we all have pressure on us to mm-hmm. have decided everything about our lives and be quote unquote successful by our mid 20s. And I didn't have anything remotely resembling uh, success or even a true game plan until I was about 35 years old. So it can yeah. catch up with all of us, but that's what that toilet bed yeah. is. You're doing poo poo and pee pee in your bed <laughs> like a child. Yet you know you're an adult because you're not in a crib. It's not a fold-up toilet crib. It's a fold-up toilet bed, which is that's right for when you're halfway grow there. Not. Yeah, so this which
1: is, a, is how I feel about my life.
0: Yeah, look at that. So maybe it's halfway there. Maybe this ain't such a gag after all.
1: Maybe not. I'm think, thinking about that concept. Yeah. God,
0: I was gonna say I'd probably be a pretty good therapist if I had. um any desire to ever step foot in a school ever again, but I don't. So I will not be, I will never be that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going back to college. No way.
1: If I had any desire to go back to school, I would be a forensic psychologist, but
0: Ooh. I really don't
1: want to do that.
0: Ooh, Like interviewing really serial not. killers and stuff like that.
1: Uh, yes and No. Um, so I've actually worked at this hospital previously Mm -hmm. um, but the bulk of my work last time was with patients who came from the jail and prison system and I actually really really liked it Um, my like passion in life and what I ultimately want to do is work with incarcerated people that also have a mental illness
0: sometimes I hear from people and I meet people who want to help those most in need, and it makes me realize how much I could be getting to work. We could all be getting to work, and it's inspiring. I'm going to think about that. Be right back. on how you buy thanks to all of the advertisers who helped make this show happen when i return to the phone call
1: and what i ultimately want to do is work with incarcerated people that also have a mental illness Mm -hmm. because i think we really screw them in this country and our whole system is just wrong and unjust and unethical so i want to be in there doing something positive for these people who often just don't get anything but disrespect and horrible treatment. So that's what I would want to do to try and be better and able to help them.
0: You're a kind person. Sorry, that
1: was a big soapbox.
0: <laughs> no, I love it. You're a kind person who wants to make the world better. And it's one of those things, right? Where you You do, you go, a prison guard probably isn't, trained, I would imagine, to deal with someone who's schizophrenic. Nor should they be. That shouldn't Mm-mm. be on their shoulders. How is that good for anybody? Right. So what happens no. is you it things remain untreated or undealt with or yeah. mishandled. And how is that yeah. good for anybody? And do we believe in rehabilitation exactly. or do we not?
1: Well I I don't think that we do, even though we claim we do, because we don't actually really offer any services in our prison and jail system even though we like to pretend we do
0: well hey from the way i shouted that i think you can tell me and you same page yeah, yet again
1: i certainly can yes yes okay so i'm hoping that in the near future we get some reform there so i'll, and, I'll jump off of my soapbox
0: now no, it's not a never apologize for being a good person don't do that don't be self-conscious this is why you have dreams about fold-up toilet beds and I would, <laughs> I would also say, you know what else I would I would say is I hope that someday you do find a way to switch to um, doing mental health in a prison because I feel like that's probably a little bit more of a chill environment than the one you're in now. So it would be continuing to head yeah. in a more chill direction So you're working in a prison.
1: I'm was, trying. Was I'm a joke. working some other avenues. Mm-hmm. Well, it, you know, they, they might be on par sometimes.
0: I get it. No, and I do think, I mean, I, I, I am endlessly blown away by people who do, when you say, I want to dedicate my life to helping prisoners with mental health issues because it's a very unfair system and, and no one's helping them navigate it. I, all jokes aside, I sit here, I go, man, there are some people in this world who actually want to do some goddamn good. And that always inspires me.
1: Thank you. I appreciate that sentiment so much because a lot of times the reaction that I get when people hear that I'm a social worker is this really particular look on their face that's like pity and then a comment about how social workers don't get paid any money. And then sometimes also a question about why didn't I pick a career that would be more high paying Mm -hmm. or like bless your heart, which in the South is so condescending. So I appreciate the sentiment that you're, you're conveying to me.
0: Wow find myself saying it more and more on this show the past year or so money isn't everything and i don't know why that's our go-to i don't know why that's our go-to yeah. so often what's the monetary value? i
1: don't either
0: there's other ways to gauge yeah. value that i agree
1: being, i agree wholeheartedly that
0: being said i'm a guy with a lot of advantages who's uh who doesn't have to worry as much as others so i also know that anyway I'm crushing these dream analyses, I'm crushing them.
1: <laughs> you certainly are. Yeah. This one will be easy to to, to analyze. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Donald Trump, it's New Year's Eve. Yeah. The Purge begins. We're in New York City. Unleash the tornado.
0: The Purge, like the movie The Purge, where murder is allowed for one night?
1: Yes, that is what I remember from the dream. I was in full battle gear, which was pretty great to see in a dream.
0: So, New York City, Donald Trump, <laughs> a purge, and you can apparently control tornadoes all on New Year's Eve.
1: Yep. Kind of a big deal.
0: Yeah. No, I don't. I, I'm having this one's probably dad stuff or something. And I don't know. I can't figure anything out about that one. <laughs> I can't figure that one out. For
1: a kid see surface level, don't like Donald Trump, ready for him to go.
0: Yeah. Um, It sounds like you basically dreamed up an action movie where you have fantastical superpowers to take on uh, the President of the United States. Yeah, that that one doesn't need much analysis, in my opinion. Yeah. This would be an actual dream come true. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. All
1: right. (laughs) All right. Here's a good one. Therapists locked in. Quarantine. Lots of older lesbians. Mm -hmm. Need help finding therapists. Shitting on Freud.
0: Shitting on Freud. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I have, just before I launch into my analysis, uh, may I ask you, yeah, there was the phrase, lots of older lesbians. I'm wondering if, mm-hmm. before I put my foot in my mouth, I should ask, do you, do you happen to be a lesbian?
1: <laughs> I'm pansexual.
0: Pansexual, okay. This see. Okay, now this is very revealing. So in your dream... There's a lot of older lesbians and they're shitting on Freud. Shitting on Freud. Well, I bet that this, well, no, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I bet that this deals with a lot of your, this, okay. Yes. Yes. I under. got it. I'm about to nail this one too. I am about to nail this one too. <laughs> I'm so excited. This relates, this was, this was a dream you had in the stretch when you were deciding to quit your old job and transition your new job. True or false? Mm. True or false? True, 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 because this is a dream where you're around a group of women who live what uh, squares might call a non-traditional lifestyle, even though, thank God, the world is shifting that opinion more and more recently. And mm. these are women shitting on Freud, aka the fact that your entire industry is still defined by the, the, the often arrogant declarations of long dead white men. Boom, I yeah. Boom is right. Boom. I I think you know that these long dead guys like Freud and Why are we? Why is everything still balanced against Freud? It's that was a long time ago. I, it was what? Yes, that's uh, also my professional opinion too. Yeah, not why? surprising. And then you get in a room full of older women, um, survivors, people you look to for their wisdom. That's what that dream is about. It's about. Your field as a whole needing to reorganize and modernize the very way that things are taught and discussed, and that's when you go. I'm Mm going to switch my job. It's because of that dream. I'm so good at this. I am so good at this.
1: (laughs) Maybe you have another career in you. Add something else to the mix.
0: Well, who knows? I might comedy. Comedy's starting to crap out, so maybe I need to do this. Who knows? (laughs) Oh
1: no. (laughs) Well, you've got a back up in
0: case you ever need it. Yeah, although I did years ago, uh, uh, I did a podcast called In Your Dreams, and a lot of the Beautiful Anonymous fans really hated it, but I don't think anybody understood it It as comedy. Um, And I felt really bad because it was all sponsored by Casper Mattress, and they they spent (laughs) a chunk of change on it, and the Beautiful Anonymous fans just thought my friend Gary was a jerk, but it was a show where he was playing a character, and no one knew it. Anyway, so that's the old dream analysis uh, podcast. But this now I'm really, I think I've gotten really good in the ensuing years at analyzing dreams.
1: Maybe it's a demonstration of personal growth.
0: Hmm. Stranger things have happened.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I don't know how many more of these you want to do. Well, we, have, f- one.
0: we have 32 <laughs> minutes left. So, however, you want to fill it.
1: Ooh. Mm-hmm. Oh, this is flying by. Well, let's do a couple more and then I'll tell you what really was driving me to do this. Okay. Um, Have you ever had a dream where when you woke up, you had really intense emotions attached to it and maybe it didn't quite match what was happening in the dream, but it made sense that there were such strong emotions?
0: I'm I'm vaguely familiar with the feeling of which you speak. Okay. I feel like I've had my version of that.
1: So in this one, it said... Who's one of my cousins? Bonding over sadness, no kids, unmarried, bacon, people interrupting, rudeness. Hmm. And I woke up feeling immensely sad.
0: Because there was because you wanted bacon and you didn't have any. You went to the fridge to see if there was bacon and there was no bacon and you got sad.
1: Maybe
0: I think bacon is the standout word that is the that is the word you dangled out there that because everything else kind of fits together, I think, on a that right. points on the same line, and then bacon really jumps out at me as a deviation from that line. so yeah, talk to me about this. in
1: tale. the dream we were sitting at like a really beautiful cafe outside. There was yeah. a lot of people around, and we were eating this like gourmet breakfast, but bacon was clearly the main item at the breakfast. And my cousin lives overseas, so I almost never see him. And Mm -hmm. he also has a degenerative neurological condition. So it's it's extra painful that I don't get to see him. Um, But yeah, so that was kind of the theme for the dream.
0: Okay. Yeah, that one's got a lot of layers to it. I feel like I shouldn't make many more jokes except to point out that bacon was a funny thing to be in the middle of that. That's, that's my it analysis was, of that was. dream. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Maybe one more. Let's see. Let's see. i will go to an early one. This note is so long now. Okay. So I'll pick one that is related to why I started doing this mm-hmm. in the first place. And that'll be a good transition into a conversation. So this one said killing puppies coming to treaty dads in charge and in the dream that the person at the beginning was indeed killing puppies mm-hmm. and who was my childhood neighbor and uh, like an uncle to me basically uh was trying to make a truce and is my best friend was there telling me not to agree to the truth. And Mm -hmm. my dad was yelling at all of us to knock it off.
0: I'm going to say four words that are going to blow your mind. And I think maybe really explain to you the way you think about the world. And maybe you don't even understand that this is how you see it on a fundamental level. I'm just going to say that um, I think I'm about to nail it. I'm ready. Here are four words that I maybe you haven't verbalized them in this way, but I wonder if it's not a feeling that you've long felt and never quite resolved. Stability is a construct. (laughs) Let
1: me think about that for a second. Stability is a construct. Mm -hmm. Yeah, actually I do agree. It is because it's different for every person, right? So what we grow up with, Is what we perceive as normal is our our construct of normal, and so Mm -hmm. stability stability for me is different for what it looks like for you. Yeah, and And I've never actually stopped to consider that.
0: Look at that, and it's all based on just a social agreement, where it's sort of a miracle Mm -hmm. it doesn't fall apart at every time. Might someone might start killing puppies? And then the adult figure mm-hmm. in your life, you might realize, oh, they don't actually have the ability to stop it. They can suggest that we stop it. They can find a middle ground, but they can't actually stop it unless they want to make the situation even crazier. And then you have another friend saying, don't even commit to that stability in the first place. Of oh, a truce, it's a false stability. This is all about false stability. Um, I th- we could dive in deeper on that, but then I'd have to start charging by the hour. And frankly, I don't I don't. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't want Private to therapy is expensive, too, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I would I would not like to pay that rate. So uh, uh, yeah, you're telling on. me.
0: You're telling me. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, boy.
1: Oh Yeah. So I, you actually nailed that without even having all of the information.
0: I'm just so that good.
1: You are. Congratulations.
0: Thank you so much.
1: Um. That may have sounded condescending, but I promise that it wasn't.
0: No, I took it at face value.
1: Good. Uh, So, the background information that is related to why I started doing this in the first place, that also is directly related to that particular dream, is that I was having horrific nightmares that would wake me up in the middle of the night and I could not go back to sleep. So, I was without a therapist at the time and I decided to try logging my dreams uh, to get them out of my head so I wouldn't have them repeatedly. And hopefully improve my sleep. And it actually did do that for me. Um, the dreams changed and over time have become far less disturbing, oh, which good. is awesome. Um, and for everybody listening, that's not necessarily an endorsement for you to do this. It can be different for everybody. Um, but the reason why I was having really bad nightmares is because I was in a, a relationship with someone who I believed to be a narcissist Um, and maybe a sociopath, but I don't diagnose people that are in my life because we're not supposed to do that. Um, and he was verbally abusive to me and very neglectful. And that was a very hard time in my life. And I've since been diagnosed with PTSD from that time period. So the dreams were a result of the PTSD. So this was my way of trying to help myself.
0: I'm really sorry you had to go through all that. That's horrible. I've been sitting here making Thanks. jokes for 35 minutes now. I feel bad.
1: That's no, awful. don't feel bad. Jokes are jokes are helpful in healing. Okay. And I I'm putting the work in myself with a therapist now and and it's unlocking a lot of things and it's been very helpful.
0: Now I have to wonder when you're trained to help people navigate their own relationships, to navigate their way out of situations that might be dangerous or taxing or any number of adjectives you could put on it, you're actually trained to do that. You went to school to do that.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I would have to imagine that you have seen patients over the years who have had similar relationships that you've probably helped them navigate or even get out of. And I've always wondered mm-hmm. about that, about, I think, you know, those of us who aren't in your field would go, how can, how can someone who helps other people deal with unhealthy relationships fall into one? And I wonder your opinion yeah. on that.
1: That's a, that's a good question. Um, I've wondered that too, actually. Because you always wonder, how did this happen to me? And I think almost everyone in a similar situation wonders that. Uh, At least in my professional experience, that's always been something that has been asked. Um, I think it's a complicated answer, and it's probably a little bit different for every person. But for me, I think it has to do with the other person. Um, Not to put all of the blame somewhere else, but that's certainly part of it. That person was very charming and um, kind and wonderful in the beginning. And so I developed very real feelings for him and that created a bond. And so when things started to shift and change and become negative and toxic, it was hard for me to to see in the beginning. Um, And then it took a lot for me to realize how bad it was Um, part of the Puppies being killed part was because he hurt my dog um, oh, no, and that was a wake no, no. up for me. I had to leave at that point, so that's my biggest loss in the whole thing. actually. it may sound silly, but when that happened, I found my dog a new home that the next day and i I have just recently stopped crying about losing my dog, so that's been a huge deal, but that was what like woke me up and, and helped me move out of that relationship. But I think that's part of it. And then the more personal part is that when things don't go well for me, I tend to avoid. And my avoidance mechanism is by diving into my work and diving into helping other people. So I um, was doing my day job. And then I'm also um, the president of the board of directors for a local nonprofit. And so that took up a lot of my time. And then I also did a lot of freelance work. So I was just incredibly busy doing other things. And so I was able to avoid and, and not focus on what was going on with me. Um, so that contributed to being able to fall into that kind of relationship as well.
0: That sounds really awful.
1: Does that answer it, your question?
0: <laughs> it does. It does. And, and I tell you what, I mean, I, I just kind of react to the stuff that jumps out, and all that's really bad. But when, when you have a situation where you're going, this really, this guy's not not as charming as he used to be, and I'm feeling a little trapped. And then, I would have to imagine when you see someone hurt an animal, I bet that that's not an uncommon turning point, right? That's, I bet that's when you go, oh, this person has the capability to hurt, and it might be me next. I got to get out of here. Yeah, and I bet there is people who don't act on that instinct, and it's. I, I bet that is something that's a turning point for other people, where at that point the floodgates open into some really, really, truly horrific stuff in a relationship. Hurting animals is like notorious serial killer indicators, right? I don't know how much of an urban legend that is, but you always hear that that when people hurt animals, it's yeah, showing that true. they have real they have real ability to get evil inside them. So that must have been terrifying true. to see.
1: It was. It was. It's haunting. Yeah.
0: And did you just feel like I can't, I don't have the capability to get out of here right now. So my, my dog is up for adoption. He's not going to deal with this just cause I have to. Is that kind, kind of thing?
1: Yes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Protect that, that's, that doggy. That's good.
1: Yeah. Sorry. I'm uh, trying not to cry.
0: No, I get it. That dog
1: it. was my life. I, lo- I loved him. He was such a sweet dog. I hope that he is living his best, happy dog life.
0: Let's pause there, because that's what we all want. hope that dog is running around in a big field, playing frisbee, getting sticks, living that happy dog life. We'll be right back. Beautiful Anonymous is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. What if comparing car insurance rates was as easy as putting on your favorite podcast? With Progressive, it is. Just visit the Progressive website to quote with all the coverages you want. You'll see Progressive's direct rate, then their tool will provide options from other companies so you can compare. All you need to do is choose the rate and coverage you like. Quote today at progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates, comparison rates not available in all states or situations. Prices vary based on how you buy. Thanks again to all of our advertisers. Now we're going to finish the phone call.
1: I hope that he is living his best happy dog life.
0: Yeah, and, and you know what? I know it's trite to say, like I'm just some idiot on the phone on a podcast, but he's living a life where he's safe because you made sure he was safe and that's such a gift. And I... I can't imagine how hard it is, but I hope, uh, it sounds like it, it sounds like it would have been real bad for that pup if he didn't get out of there that minute. So that's an act of love, you know?
1: Thank you for saying that. It's really, it's helpful to hear that. It's not something I talk about with a lot of people cause it's, there's a fear of being judged and as you might imagine, not an easy conversation.
0: No, You know, and people want to go. Oh, but your dog is your companion, who's supposed to get get you through the hard times. And it's like, well, this isn't a movie, and I'm dealing with somebody who's turning into more and more of a dickhead, and now it's gotten violent. So you have to make hard choices. And absolutely, I don't think people should judge you for that. And life, life. I always. The older I get, the more I always. I always have this thought in my head so often where I go in real life, the credits don't roll in real life. You don't have this heroic moment where you and your dog escape and go to greener pastures. It's like, no, you gotta give your dog away. It makes you really sad. And then you, and then again, I'm making a dark, but you give your dog away, it breaks your heart. And then you cheer yourself up by working at a state psychiatric hospital. Like that's real life. That's how real life goes. (laughs) that's how your it year is. went it is yeah what a
1: year <laughs> it's... irony of all ironies one of the things that was challenging for me this year was um he went on a podcast that a friend of ours does and talked about me in a negative way and so i did not intend to talk about him very much today um mm-hmm. So how how
0: uh, how funny is that? Well, I've had to worry about that a lot, and I I do try to always say that I am I am certain, and I I find myself always having to say I'm certain when I'm on the phone with someone and they start venting about other people. I go, well, I, and and to be clear, if they called, they would have their side of the story, and this, and I'm not saying this about some guy who hurt a dog. I don't give a shit about that guy, um, mm-hmm. but. It is a i I remember when we once got a note from someone who heard themselves being talked about on this show or heard I think it was themselves or their roommate, and i I remember them saying I was the person that was being spoken about, and I was in that situation with a person and it explained so much, but also some of it was not my reality i I went oh, I have more responsibility mm. with this show than I thought, and I try to Try yeah. to be mindful of that. So hearing about yourself and, and especially if you suspect this person might be a narcissist and a sociopath, I'm sure what you're hearing is a very charming rendition of things that don't reflect what actually happened in your yeah, experience. And exactly, you say it's a friend's podcast, but you can also connect those dots and go, okay, so he's doing this to, to establish things amongst your friend group. That's a weird power move. Mm-hmm. That's a lot of... Work.
1: Yep, exactly. See right yes. through these guys. Very perceptive,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. oh, let me go on this podcast with a friend and that means all your other friends probably listen to it and then I get to be the one who publicly states how things went or implies at the very least how yep. things are. I don't like that. Nope, I, don't
1: like that. I did not like it either.
0: <laughs> so. Yeah, that'll yeah. give you some bad dreams. That'll give you a dream where your bed's also a toilet. That does explain that one.
1: (laughs) Yes. Thankfully, I have not had the toilet bed dream in several months.
0: That reflects that one, right? That you're progress here. I mean, I don't want to be too literal and too on the nose, but what's more of a representative of your domestic situation than your very bed itself? And your bed actually was a shitter. It wasn't even in the shitter. Your domestic (laughs) situation wasn't even in the shitter. It was a shitter.
1: It was, and that, I was trapped in it too. I couldn't leave.
0: Yeah, sleeping in the toilet. This is this is that relationship. That's really. I'm mm. making, I making I I do feel like you and I both said we like dark jokes, but I also want you to know for sure that I'm sitting here going, like, I don't care. I don't care what else happened. He'll have his side of the story, but you hear that a dog got hurt, and you go, like something, there's no world in which that's ever going to be okay, and that sounds like there was real scary stuff going on, and I, I bet that, I have to imagine that was far from the only scary night or hard night. Yeah. And I hate hearing that. Yeah. There
1: were a few more scary nights, so... Yeah, I'm glad that it's over. I'm glad there's been some time in between then and now. And I'm so grateful to have a knowledgeable and empathetic therapist that I'm working with. That's good. We're moving forward, for sure.
0: That's good. And all jokes about it. You know, a lot of jokes about it. But having a new job that you're excited about, being in an environment where you're helping other people. But that's kind of a classic thing, too, that as someone trained in your field... You must also know, which is that because my my therapist explained to me, I I will often come out of these depressed episodes or periods with an immense desire to go volunteer or sign up for stuff. And a lot of times it's the people who are, a lot of times people who are in really bad situations themselves want to help other people. And I'm not surprised to hear that's who you are when you've also had to deal with stuff like this because those often go hand in hand.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I read a similar journal entry about this actually. Hmm. um, But why people who have been through hard things are, are like magnetized to one another and and about myself in particular, why those are the people that I appreciate most in this world and, and value the most. Uh, It was a concept that's been on my mind a lot.
0: Me too, actually, because I feel like just by the the way I have stumbled through my life, I've become like a like a you want to talk about a magnet for sad people. I feel like I've been and very mm-hmm. proudly so, and very flattered to have helped people. But yeah, yeah. So it's it's a tough thing to wrap your head around. Why do we all? Because it's you know what it is. You think about this idea that sad people often find each other and you go, well, is this just going to make us dwell in it? Is it going to compound it? Is it going to make us all double down on it? And then what you, you know what I think about a lot? And I wonder if you'd agree as a social. I was going to ask
1: what, what you think.
0: Well, this is a thought I've actually had and I wrote it down. Because I'm like, oh, maybe I can use that in something someday. Maybe that'll turn into an essay or show up in a script or something. Because when I thought of it, I went, ah, oh, man, that I just kind of this will be I don't know. I also might just sound dumb or pretentious, but I was like, ugh. you ever have that where you think one of those things as a depressed person and you hear yourself thinking you go, oh, come on, don't. <laughs> but I had this thought. I had yes. this thought a few months ago. I really did that depression is like a gun, but it's. It's the loneliness that's the bullet, you know? It's that Mm. feeling of just being lonely in it and isolated in it. That's what, to me, makes me feel like i got to call up Greystone Park, you know?
1: Yeah. I think isolation is very hard.
0: Oof. Sometimes you get so depressed, your guard goes up, you hold other people away, you feel completely uncomfortable in a room full of people. You feel other people trying to connect to you and feeling them get uncomfortable when you're unable to connect and you can't explain it and you feel so lonely. And sometimes it's it's so hard. It's the worst. And then, and then you got to go hear this guy on a podcast laying it out to your friends, which must only make you feel even lonelier. And then you think about why we're all magnetized to one each other. And it's like, well, I can handle the depression more often than not. Mm -hmm. I can't handle the loneliness. So maybe if we remember that we're all not in it alone, we can feel less lonely. So maybe we just need to hang out and be a bunch of miserable, sad sacks together. Because at least together might get us through the night. That's my theory.
1: Hell yeah. I'm for it. I support this theory. I think there's truth in it. And I think having that shared empathy... True empathy, because you've experienced it, helps with that isolation and loneliness. It shatters it because you know that that person understands how you felt and how you feel. And you, and don't, you don't have to explain it.
0: And do you, I, I love that. Truth. Not only do I have to explain it, you know what really works for me sometimes? Really works for me. What? Is when I'm really depressed, sometimes I want to be around the other people who have been depressed or who are depressed because they don't try to convince me to not be depressed they just let me be depressed they just yeah and my wife has been a saint because she has not really dealt with this stuff and when she married me guess what she had to learn fast (laughs) and in the moment very often and and she's married to this guy where sometimes i'm confident enough to go have my own tv show and then sometimes i can't get out of the shower because i i'm like no it's warm here and i'm just having a you know like Right. And I remember real early on figuring out how to explain to her, like it'll it'll pass quicker if you just let it exist. But if you yeah. con- if yeah. you convince me why I shouldn't be feeling it, I'm gonna convince you why I should, and then I'm gonna convince myself in the process of it. So sometimes I just want to hang out.
1: And you're putting your energy in the wrong place.
0: uh, Yeah. I'm going, no, no, no. Here's why I'm feeling this way. It's true. It's true. And now I feel it Mm -hmm. twice as hard as I did. So sometimes I just want to go and I want to sit in a booth at a diner with someone else (laughs) who often feels like a miserable piece of shit. (laughs) And I want to just eat a grilled cheese sandwich and we don't even have to say all that much.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. I had to convince myself of that too and accept it and and learn the ways to manage how I'm feeling and, and be okay with it. Right. So Mm -hmm. if I can't take a shower every single day, that's okay. And be okay with it and don't judge yourself so hard.
0: Yeah. Things like that. And understand that it's hard to
1: learn those things.
0: Absolutely. And, and also like it's, It's trying to make you feel bad about yourself, you know?
1: Mm -hmm. Exactly.
0: That depression wants you to skip that shower and wants you to feel bad about it. So then when you go out that day, it can just be in your head going, man, you must smell bad. People must be judging you because you smell bad, you know? Or your hair looks all
1: fucked up.
0: Your hair looks... Yes. That depression convinced you to do a thing that it could then beat you up about. And
1: uh, I tell people that all the time, and myself included, it's lying to you. Depression lies to you, anxiety lies to you oh, it's and you the have worst. to remember
0: that. It's like worm tongue yeah. from Lord of the Rings. you remember Lord of the Rings Worm tongue
1: <laughs> Yes
0: that yes. I always i oh I always thought that was an analogy for depression, and I thought that gollum was an analogy for addiction, and I'm sure people have written papers on this, and yeah. it's not an original thought, but I remember watching that worm tongue and going that's. When I am at, when I have been at my worst in my early twenties, when I w- had given up, I was that king, that crusty old king who couldn't mm. even open his eyes, and then that depression in my ear. Don't trust anybody. Everybody's a fucking yeah. piece of shit who's out to get you. Nobody respects you. Whispering
1: those terrible things. Uh, yeah, uh,
0: get out of here. Yeah. But you know what I like about you. <laughs> And I've only been talking to you for what? 54 minutes. No, and I'm being serious. What's that? One of the only things I know about you, outside of all our jokes about your dreams and you telling me that you had this relationship that really, you know, beyond shook you to your core. You just do the math and you look at your career, and I go, You have, you have endured a lot of hurt, but you have definitely placed a lot more help into the world and
1: uh i'm my best
0: that doesn't help you on the bad days when you need help but the world it is does. a better place because you help me the world's a better place because of you. you
1: i really hope so that's all i want to do well you're doing and it. that does help me on my bad days because i can think about the times that I've helped somebody or somebody has told me that I've made a difference in their life and knowing that is something that pushes me forward on my worst days like I my favorite moment ever working with somebody I had a gentleman who everyone viewed as like the worst patient the most horrible person because he was he he had a lot of symptoms and that was the truth but If you just talk to him like he was a person, he would respond well to you. And I deeply believe that if you just talk to somebody like they're a person, they'll respond well to you in most cases. And he looked at me one day and he said, my name, and he said, thank you for believing in me. Nobody else has. And it broke my heart. But also, that's something I can think about. No matter what's going on in my life, I can get back up and move forward thinking about that man.
0: There's at least one person who had no hope and you hoisted him up. It goes a long way.
1: It's so humbling. Okay. Who am I to, to be an important person in that person's life? But he allowed me to. And that, that's amazing. I had Sorry, fr- I get really emotional about my patients.
0: No, and that's because you're good at what you do and because you care and because you give a shit. I think that's amazing. I think it's amazing. Thank you. I have to apologize. For hey, I think you've probably picked up on this if you've if you're a follower of of mine on any level.
1: Yeah, I am.
0: If there's one person you don't have to apologize to for crying, it's this guy. Because <laughs> I cry Thanks. often. I'm done apologizing for it. You can cry, but you helped somebody. Thanks. Yeah. I had a friend once tell me he was on a subway platform in New York and there was a guy really getting a very angry guy is getting in people's faces and everybody was like backing away and trying to ignore it, screaming and shouting. And then he said, this lady, just this very average looking middle-aged lady, just instead of backing away or averting her eye contact, she just said, sir, why are you so upset? And he just went, I'm hungry. I'm really, really hungry. Oh. And she said, Well, would would you be able to calm down if I just took you somewhere and bought you a sandwich? And he said, Thank you, please. And you just mm-hmm. realize, oh, we That's all beautiful. We all thought this guy was in like this subclass of human where he was bothering us and he we didn't he didn't even deserve our eye contact, let alone our help. Turns out the guy just needed right. a sandwich. And that's what you yeah. do. you give the people who need a sandwich a sandwich. You should be really proud of that
1: it's, thank you i am I am proud of the work that I do. I work really hard. just want to treat people like people, find out what they need
0: and can I ask? We only have two minutes left, so it'll be a bridge. but as far as your living situation now, you've gotten away from this guy, yeah. you're in a more safe I have to imagine it's more safe. How are you feeling moving forward on that front? Are you finding your foundation again or is it taking time? Either way is okay.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, we have an ongoing legal battle because we actually owned a home together. And uh, so that is- Great, is great, 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 great. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's, that's a hard thing. Um, and he's keeping the house um, and he's making that whole process extremely difficult. But I am very lucky and fortunate to have amazing friends in my life who are really supportive and when I called a friend of mine and said I need to leave can I come live with you he didn't ask any questions he he just said yes and I, I left that day and stayed in his house for six months until I found a different living situation and now I live with my best friend who is one of the most supportive humans I've ever met in my entire life
0: there you go and that's less yeah. lonely that's less lonely
1: absolutely yeah,
0: it's good. I'm glad if you I got out of there. If I need
1: to cry, I can just go in and cry. Yeah. She, she's, she's wonderful.
0: I'm glad you got her and I'm glad you're in a safe place. And I hope that this, uh, I hope you get every goddamn dime you deserve out of your ha- half of that <laughs> house. And then I hope you can walk away and Thank this is you. not used as an excuse to keep you ensnared and all these obvious tricks that people yeah. do. Yeah. It'll That's end someday. I, to,
1: I just want to be clean and free. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: Man, this went from funny dreams about toilets and people throwing stuff in your hair in a mall. (laughs) This one really (laughs) turned fast. This one really turned fast.
1: It did. Unexpectedly, it did. But that's what happens sometimes on your show.
0: (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And uh, we have to wrap up, but I just want you to know I'm really happy you're safe and, again, Hold your head high at all times because you, like I said before, a lot of people take more than they give and you give a lot more than you take. And you should be really, really proud of that.
1: Thank you. I will.
0: Caller, thanks again. And I know I said it like five times, but this is an incredibly hard stretch and I hope you just really hang your hat on that idea that you are helping people who need help and that is really beautiful and you are too thank you so much to Anita Flores to Jared O'Connell to Shell Shag go to chrisgeff.com if you want info on me if you listen on Apple subscribe hit follow on Spotify favorite on Stitcher really really helps when you do. If you go to stitcherpremium.com slash stories and hear about how to listen to every back episode without ads